my children, welcome to the Church of Pantan podcast, the premier Ballast Saga talk show available on all your favorite podcast platforms. May the cores be our saviors. I'm Aspira, your head of service, and join with me are my apostles, John and Cosmic. John, how are we doing this week? I'm doing great. Probably not as good as you guys, you know, coming back <laughs> from your world tour slash grand open circuit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're we're doing okay over here in my world. Yeah, yeah, of course. Very, very nice. And Cause, uh, how are you recovering? I guess you'd be more my question. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a great trip, and I'm glad it held out till the end. Um, but I got super sick like right when I got back and took COVID tests and all that, and it didn't uh, wasn't COVID, thankfully. But just had a horrible cold, and then also came back to like fourteen hundred dollars in van repairs. So it was a, a quick snap back to reality, <laughs> reality for me. I, I also got sick coming back from the pro tour. So for like the next <laughs> week I had like the plague. So Yeah, took a little took a little bit of old Europe with you guys. Yeah. Um yeah, so I mean huge uh, since the last time we had talked actually, uh, there's been the pro tour. Um but not only that, there's actually been two grand opens. So uh lots of things that we all attended the pro tour. Um which actually will be our first topic, kind of going into that, kind of giving a recap. Uh, kind of, you know, uh, sending off the format that had overextended its stay, in my opinion, and then jumping into the conversations about the new format. Set 3 uh, has been a ton of fun. Uh, with that, we've had the Netherlands go, as well as the Pasadena go, and then, you know, Liverpool coming up this week as well. So lots of grand open action happening uh, before kind of a lull. And then we go into the second half of Season 3, where everything closes off between Atlanta, the Pro Tour, and World. So that's where we're going to jump to, and we'll actually have a brand new game show uh what's that card art is a new segment we'll be switching it into there with what's that flavor text uh, kind of keeping things interesting so we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get there but to kick us off we do have the pro tour recap um which first off netherlands beautiful country i you know I, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as i did um but getting around was extremely easy everyone was so nice and they all spoke english which made things incredibly easy for me so i had myself a great time um, not so much with the Pro Tour. My Pro Tour placement was fine. Um, but uh, overall, I had a good time. How did you guys find Netherlands? I loved it. I mean, I, I didn't love the weather. Um, you know, I know that's pretty standard European weather. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it was actually warmer in West Virginia than it was in the Netherlands, which is crazy because it's always cold here this time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, other than the weather, I mean, you know, food was great over there. The sites were cool i got to see some of the city that the pro tour was in uh so yeah i mean i you know i loved it yeah overall it was a it was a really great time and i gotta have my one little plug here that amsterdam was a bit overrated that's the one thing that i'll say but i absolutely <laughs> loved utrecht like yeah 100 if the you know if we keep the same format if we're lucky enough and all that stuff 100 i will go back absolutely love the city that we're in as the spirit mentioned like super easy to get around the food was amazing like 100% would go back in a heartbeat. It was just a great time. And uh, it was like that we were talking, I think we got from like a local or something that someone had confirmed that it was like in the last 91 years or something, it was like the rainiest it's ever been mm-hmm. for the time that we were there. So like, of course, and we saw the sun for like two hours on one day. So spoiler, that's probably why I got sick, but um, yeah, hopefully same. go back there with a little bit nicer weather, but a great time nonetheless. Like I, I can't go to Europe for a card game tournament without the weather being rainy so i went to paris for like the world of warcraft card game world championships back in like 2005 and it rained like 24 7 for the five days i was there so i feel like any major event in europe it's just gonna rain 
just gotta take that weather with you yeah 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 but nevertheless it was beautiful i mean like if you look what like you would imagine european cities and fairy tale books to kind of look like that was exactly what utrecht and you know to, to the level amsterdam was um the food yeah what was that burger place called cause Burger bar, baby. Let's yeah, go. Burger bar. <laughs> Every single person that went to burger bar were like, nope, it's exactly as good as everyone said it was. And honestly, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they're freshly made burger patties right on the spot. They have things like truffle burgers and a bunch of different options. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was no, really, so good. Really so good. I didn't get to try burger bar because mm. I know you guys went during the week in between there. Yeah. But the food that we had, um, apparently it's common over there, is donor. Um, it's, Donaire, it's yeah, like yeah, it's a, Middle Eastern, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like Turkish, and I guess there's like Turkish street vendors, you know, like here in you know America, we have like hot dog street vendors and things like that. Well, over there they have that, and it was like the best sandwich I've ever had. Mm. So, like, I still have dreams about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's a very common here uh, in a lot of shawarma places. They also serve donair meat as part of it, and it's like the slow roasted, like slow cooked meat. It's extremely delicious. <laughs> so good <laughs> so yeah so highly recommend it was a great time honestly um i was a little bit concerned when we had gotten there to see that utrecht was like 40 minutes out from amsterdam but public transit was like stupid easy you just kind of hop on a yeah, train, train and you're there. like 20 minutes like yeah it was easy yeah and if yeah. you take the long inner city one it's like an hour tops which is like super mm. nothing and then you're actually right next to the venue so um yeah. big yeah, there yeah yeah pretty pretty good so all around pl- very pleasantly surprised um enjoyed my time Probably enjoyed it more than I did the Pro Tour, not going to lie. So, like, for what it's worth, Pro Tour venue was cool. Uh, the event was super sweet. Um, day two, the TO actually gave us free, like, draft events and, like, sealed events and limited for set three to kind of, like, promote, like, hey, like, you know, we're we're celebrating our players a little bit. It's a celebration of the game kind of getting there. So that was awesome. Super cool. The Pro Tour format, though, made me want to put a bullet through my head. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> like, like, it is, it is, like i didn't love my deck i know john like we ended up actually being on the same deck independently um but we kind of landed in the same place i think neither of us loved our deck going into that format it just didn't felt feel great um you know i'm i'm right there with you i mean i know you ended up going what four and three yeah yeah i mean i was five and two i think you know most of our team that played that deck was four and three i mean i was the highest finisher i just missed top 16 uh you know the deck was fine it just wasn't great Mm -hmm. but to be fair in the month plus that we tested for the pro tour i don't think there was a single deck that i'm like okay this is the deck you know i mean every deck was like yeah it's fine um no one on our team plays purple like nobody (laughs) so there was zero chance of us finding a good purple deck and we all knew that we couldn't beat the actual like real purple players so Mm -hmm. you know that alone made it pretty tough to come to a deck that we loved so yeah but you know it was fine i mean just briefly talking about the experience uh of playing in the pro tour you know just to echo what george said like the to was great i thought the tournament was, was run really well uh i do have some gripes with the judging but you know, not really going to get into it too much, but, you know, I feel like the judges could have been more strict on some of their calls. Um, but besides that, like it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just so it wasn't clear, um, myself and John actually, and the rest of team TD ended up taking like a scorched novelist 
which is like a lot of the ground aggro deck that kind of goes like Nova heavy on the top end, which I'd like to say, you know, congratulations to Long Dao. Didn't end up winning it all with like yellow. If I face Long Dao, I'm fairly certain I'm scorching that deck through no like through and through. But oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I played three yellow decks, I think just crushed all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did not yeah, play yeah. a red deck all tournament, apparently, and like just had the freest yeah. Swiss ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I played three yellow, two red, one purple, and one white. In, yeah. In my seven rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of very similar to me. I played like two yellow, uh, played two reds, one of which was Pterosaur, and actually got me because, yeah. like, turns out a non answered Gagano can kind of ruin your day. So, uh, did end up getting there. Uh, played against some some weird rainbow whatever actually you know i guess that's a great segue cause what did you play at the pro tour <laughs> we played toad mama we had a great time I... <laughs> so uh shout out to aspera and the other uh, cc and the boys that we were staying with in the netherlands uh andy rex and then anthony who you know gave me a list i was really trying to play this yellow purple nemesis list that i loved a lot and spoiler it did well in the event all things considered like my version of it just sucked but I'm like, all right, I got to play something else. I was just losing. I went like zero and 20 in testing, like absolutely devastated the night before. Then I'm like messaging Anthony at 1 a.m. Like, dude, just give me a list. Give me something else to play. Uh, And it was dope. I started 4-1. I had a serious. I had an absolute blast. It was like a white control deck that plays K pile and you get a bunch of like the zero cost elementals. It cycles through. It's like Axe Spider without Axe Spider is a play style of it where you're just like holding off to the late game and then just get infinite value off K and win that way. And it was great. And in a field of purple, purple was like meant to be a buy. And like the first couple purples that I played, yeah, 2-0 crushed, felt great. The last two rounds I played against purple and just bricked horribly four games Mm. back to back. I want to stress, I I did so poorly that I had a Rocket City against purple early in both rounds, in both games, and still lost. Like the rest of the deck did not work. And it sucks. That's card games sometimes. I'm still a little bitter about it. But I was like, man, I, I have everything that I want. Perfect hand, four games. And then just like no elephants, no Aegis. Um, I saw like one Beldegory. Like it was just awful draws back to back. So clearly it was not my event to win. But um, honestly, I love the list. It was super fun to play. Honestly, very strongly believe it could have very well made a top eight spot. And it honestly made me really love K again as a card. Because uh, obviously, like the just get us a bunch of stuff back is nice. Um, and it didn't come up that often, but it did come up a couple times against yellow and purple, where K's actual level three ability is nuts. Sometimes you're like, hey, I got four cards back. And there was a couple games where I'm like, oh, turn sorry, turn this sideways, delete four things on your board. Good game. And like K just won the game on the spot. And then heaven forbid if they hit like multiple draws, you're like, okay, here's scoops and Beldegores, get back in the game. So super sick, ton of fun. Um, the one like big weakness of the deck, and I probably shouldn't, you know, elaborate on this too much because I'm very serious about probably taking a, the version of it to Atlanta. It's like just don't kill their elephant, and it's gonna be a lot harder for them to like play the game that they want to play the game. But 100 percent love the list. I have a new six color pile, literally six color uh K list I'll be featuring on the channel soon. It was super fun to play. And I'm very seriously considering it for Atlanta because it's super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Anthony's deck was, you know, really good. I mean, that's the version that that you played, I assume. But uh, yep. one of my losses was actually to Andy uh, round two, you know, I think it was. And it, it's a tough matchup for Red as well. I mean, it's hard to get through. I mean, game one took forever. He ended up beating me. Game two, I killed him like turn three just randomly. And then... Uh, Game three, I put him to one on like turn three, and he played Aegis, and I couldn't break through anymore. Uh, but the deck is 
like really good. I I think it's not as good right now as it was for the Pro Tour, given the format shifted a bit, but it's still, you know, still a pretty solid deck, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the list has changed a ton, but it's still like spoiler elephant and Aegis are good. You only need one Nexus to bring them online, and then you just play 38 other cards or whatever that math works out to. But right. um yeah, it's it is a very fun list. The the biggest other downside, as John just kind of pointed out, like you have to play super fast because the deck, while it's good at holding off, it doesn't have the same like pure game ending potential as if you just played like Derm Dino, right? Because you have the unblockable. It's like, okay, I shield, I shield, I shield, game over. So that is like the biggest issue I've had so far in testing this new version that game ones are very often like 30 minutes, even if you're playing fast. I'm like, all right, I got to figure out how else I can adjust this. But again, love K, love the waifus. It was a good, it was a very fun pick for the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and like my one minute grievance, just real quick, like it is midnight the day before the event causes like, I can't win with this yellow purple deck. I'm like, all right, then you know what? How about we just roll a dice or like the fun game we were thinking of is we put one of each colored key spirit into a pile shuffle, make cause just top deck it. And then whatever that is, is lands on. Um, and then I, and then I can, I'm like, all right, you know what? How about K? Because I know I knew Anthony at that point was taking the K deck. I'm like, how about you just play a mommy deck? And like, that's all he needed to know. Now, for those who don't know, this deck was built to hard counter red, like pretty egregiously if red isn't able to kill you quick enough. And then Cosmic ends up being my round one opponent. So my round one opponent ends up being the guy who I put on the deck that beats mine. So... <laughs> You know, well that, that, yeah, that that lent itself for a very fun time, and I'm still a little salty that they didn't put us on stream because I think that was a a, a star stricken point to uh, get us together. And then in day two, when we're getting our sealed decks ready, we're facing each other again. <laughs> now, thankfully, that was only to actually do the sealed like deck construction part of it, but uh, it's kind of funny how those yeah. things pairings are rigged. Up. I swear. Like, okay, so oh, a hundred percent. Oh I my god, Ryan Valentino five times in the <laughs> four events that we've played together i mean no one in this game has played someone five times except for me and him it's yeah. nuts and i played more but, americans than i did europeans so yeah. like so just a small grape i know george just mentioned you know his small grape like this ties into what you said i think but then we got off track um but i <laughs> i feel like they should oh you mentioned feature matches i i feel like they need to do a better job of choosing feature matches i Mm. i think sometimes they get super lazy and they just pick like table one and go on with it but in the early rounds that's when you should be featuring like grand open winners and maybe a cool deck that you've heard about you know things like that i would like to see more of that on future streams yeah i I think that's like an information gap like a a knowledge gap unfortunately Mm -hmm. because like the european teals don't really know like i feel like i could ask like 90% 90% of people who work with or around BSS who the Go champions are, and they probably don't know. Um, the casters don't come from BSS. Like, huge shout out to Wasin, whatever. Like, he's done a bit of coverage on BSS and stuff like that. But him and something Yu-Gi-Oh! I can't remember. Um, no. uh, Poketage. Yeah, Poketage. That's it. Um, also, ended up, like, they, they don't really come from the game, so they don't know. Yeah. And then, obviously, the operators who are just running the cameras, they don't know. So, unfortunately, I think there was a bit of knowledge gap there in regards to getting that lined up so because i agree i think yeah. you should be getting people excited and like that's your one opportunity to really like yeah champion like, your champions you know so like that kind of stemmed from uh the pasadena coverage just this past weekend which i'm sure that we'll, we'll get into somewhat but there were some feature matches in the middle rounds like rounds like 
three, four, five, I think maybe around there. That just like made no sense. And, mm. you know, I'm not knocking any player or, you know, whatever, but they were just grabbing table one. And I know at one point, you know, again, cause mentioned that this player was brand new. He learned the game three days ago, but like he was playing white aggro and like, it was not an enjoyable feature match. And I think at the same time, that round also had like Matas against someone or something that, that they could have picked like another more exciting match. Right. I think, mm-hmm. yep. um, but I'm just saying, I, I hope that improves in the future, but, like I know it'll, it'll, it'll never be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, but that does give us an opportunity to kind of pivot over and talking about the kind of how the pro tour landed. So in, for, in terms of yeah. top eight, you know, uh, purple was, uh, kind of like the, uh, big boogeyman going into this tournament just because it kind of like lost the least, which is kind of funny to say, cause it lost steps, but everyone lost steps is the reality of that. Um, purple kind of still a very powerful color. Um, still was definitely represented, still did well. Um, but yellow actually kind of was a, a, a big representation as well, um, with the champion Long Dao actually taking it through and through all the way to the top, winning it. So congratulations to our second Pro Tour winner. If you could send me your picture so I could put you in the Hall of Flame, that would be great. Um, and then we've got runner-up, which uh, Atu Gron, which like, you know, isn't talked about too much because unfortunately we do have a North American bias here. But Atu is lining up to be one of the best players in the world right now, right? Like second place, uh, Grand Open, won a launch event, won a Grand Open, like very much lined up as one of the best players in our game right now. So yeah, yeah, no, he's he's great, mm-hmm. and you know, just just looking at this top eight, I think Long Dow actually almost won the Grand Open the week after this too. Yep. Um, it is currently but, a uh, trend that the winner of the Pro Tour finishes second at the following Grand Open. Yeah. And then, you know, you see Kai and Zach in here. They've been on some heaters lately. Um, so, you know, this top eight wasn't really that super surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, some good names on the air. And actually, huge shout out to uh, Harry, actually, who we've talked about them before on the the, the Nexus podcast, uh, yeah. which is kind of that European cast. But uh, he also placed well with his like they call it Rainbow Hippo um which is kind of pretty accurate it's kind of just like three drop turbo you're kind of running a lot of like the three best three drops in the game and kind of going from there it's it has a bit of a purple shell um to kind of just consistently gain value off like rotting yeah. swamp and stuff like that yeah man harry's deck is the perfect example of playing a weird off the wall deck as a solid player you just get free wins sometimes because your opponent has no idea what you're doing mm-hmm. so and that you know, going back to the K deck, I think that's kind of along the same line as your opponent just has no clue what you're doing. So mm-hmm. you just get like a lot of free wins because like they plan to play around a certain card that you might not even be playing. Yeah, exactly. Go yeah, ahead. my favorite thing was like killing Kai or killing off the Aegis for free. They're like, what are you what are you doing? Keep that on board. And they're like, then playing the Kai, getting the Aegis back, playing the Aegis again the same turn. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not I'm not in a good spot. It's like right. ah, I'm in danger. But yeah, good. Uh, I was just actually talking about this recently too with some other people. Like, I think with how set three is developing, and because we're finally getting to the point of a deeper card pool, we're going to lend ourselves to hopefully see more lists of this where you gain so much advantage in Swiss if you're playing something like these lists instead of say Genbu Fabled Beasts, where it's hey. I we sit down. You show me a yellow card. Cool. I know forty of your fifty cards minimum that mm-hmm. you're you're going to play, and I know exactly what to play around. Where things like the uh, Harry's list and the K pile, and uh, you know, like we did with blue, and we'll talk about uh, in a bit. Like blue, my opponents were just reading the cards uh, all day long, and understandable. The set just came out, um, but it does lend itself well that if they're not that used to the card pool yet, you can just have these, you know, aha gotcha moments in the event. 
Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, uh, actually, that's a great segue to jump in because I think for the most part, you know, uh, one again, congratulations to everyone who topped. But uh, the format very much was kind of like a alt version of the format we had been playing forever ago, which is just kind of how the, these Pro Tours kind of land out. Um, you know, the bandless shakeup here uh, did matter. Obviously, no Axe Spider, which is a huge difference here. But uh, uh, nevertheless, I think uh, we're all kind of pretty fed up with that format um, and kind of leads to a little bit more exciting, which is the uh, Netherlands Grand Open, which was the week after um, myself, Cosmic and a lot of other players have actually stuck out the week. Um, unfortunately, John is an adult and uh, <laughs> wasn't able to join us as well. Um, but actually, saw so a lot of interesting things here. So leading up to the Pro Tour, uh, a certain Alex Blandon made a post hailing the end of times, <laughs> yep. um, praising out that uh, Green Gale is oppressive, uh, much too strong. Um, and I think sentiment about that has changed a little bit, um, you know, based on the grand open finish. Um, that's not exactly how that played out, but nevertheless, I think we can kind of land on that. The strategies can lend themselves to being really unfun. Um, the biggest thing being that Highlands as a card is, allows you to ramp with Gale. You stack multiple of them. At that point, the game seems untenable, especially when you tie it with a 10 drop that can kind of OTK out of nowhere, right? If you, if you don't respect Feng Huang, cards attack in, they're exhausted, and then your opponent can kind of go in there with Feng Huang, OTK you, and then kind of game's over. Um, in general, I wasn't sold that nothing could beat Gale. And I think at this point, we've kind of all landed that you can beat Gale. You just need to very heavily respect it. I still think it lends itself to be in a position where the unfun game states it can create probably lend itself to being answered in some way, shape or form. Um, I think a lot of players feel the sentiment from like Zach Bell to, a, a, you know, a bunch of other players, but it is much more tenable than initially thought. So with that in mind, we have the uh, Utrecht Grand Open, which actually featured a hell of a lot of yellow. <laughs> um, just for context, there were more yellow decks than there were uh, green decks. It, out of the 51 players that played, 30 of them took yellow. Um, so, uh, a lot. <laughs> um, and then there was something about some odd 15-odd Gale decks and then a smattering of decks after that. So, um, I guess I'll you know open up the kind of room to you guys. Is this is this kind of a situation where people are still figuring out the Gale deck? Obviously, we'll have more data as we jump into the Pasadena Grand Open. Um, is it? Do you guys see it as an issue, or uh, you know, is it just kind of like, hey, there's this unfun combo in the game? Sometimes games just have unfun combos. Just plan around, and you should be okay. Like, how how do you guys feel about yeah, I mean, Green I, Gale? I so Alex's post, I think, was a little bit premature. Um, but that being said. I think that he made a lot of good points and I think it, most of what he said is pretty valid. Mm. Um, I'm of the belief that Highlands is definitely a problem card. Uh, you know, it, I don't know if it should be banned right now, um, but it does create a weird metagame where it's a little, it, it can become stale very quickly. Currently, we have some decks that can kind of interact with it, right? Mm -hmm. But I I think maybe after people test the Gale deck more for this next, uh, what, almost two months until the Pro Tour or until Worlds, um, you know, maybe someone can find a Gale deck that borderlines unbeatable. But the fact of the matter is that Gale is a pretty problematic deck. Um, you know, Fang Wong is obviously insane. 
Highlands is obviously insane. Uh, there were some games I watched over the stream, just, you know, as someone who was watching and not playing, um, you know, just a, as a spectator, I can see that it's a problem. Like seeing the feature matches, I mean, the Gale player that, that I think finished first after Swiss, uh, Brandon, he had yeah. like, yeah, he had like 30 plus cores and almost every feature match game that, you know, that I watched and I'm sure that he ran pretty well to finish where he did and do the oh, yeah. plays that he made, et cetera. Yeah. He, uh, he triple highlands to me. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, so you see right there that, that the deck's a problem. Um, once you get those cores, he could have done anything that he wanted to in the entire game, just his decks built a certain way. So, you know, and, and again, I think I supposed to premature, but in closing, I think that it definitely needs watched very closely. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I mean, just or... in in closing, last point, I am very surprised to see this many yellow decks. This was the first grand open with the release. I thought maybe they'd be more like jank, you know, mm. whatever, people playing new things. Uh, I think a lot of this is just because the Americans were like, screw it, we're just playing yellow. But you know, I was pretty surprised by this as a spectator. Yeah, that's a good jumping in point for me because I am absolutely not surprised in the slightest because Yellow has done pretty poorly all season two, things to be considered, and it had just won the Pro Tour in the most grand celebration of ways possible. So there's certainly one side of it that's, hey, here's this revitalization of Yellow. We can finally play this color again. It has some good stuff, and then it got a very obvious good card in Genbu. Um, and then on top of that, we did have kind of that um inner player you know uh deck breeding that is just like hey we're gonna take 20 people or however many you know the td plus international crew had i think they had like 12 or 15 people whatever they're like all right here's a list we're all gonna play it and just to put it bluntly we know that they were some of the best players in the room so not shocking at all that they would all take this deck and all perform very well with it so um, at least for netherlands i am not surprised at all at how those two weeks have gone However, I think the surprising point then shifts to, uh, you know, where are we at with Gale? Because uh, as we've mentioned, Blandon made his post. It was tier zero, the end of times. And to be blunt about it, it is just strictly failed to perform uh, with the results that we have. Just with going into uh, the Utrecht one, a lot of people just didn't want to play the mirror. Understandable. But then looking at both Brisbane um, and Pasadena, it just wasn't there, all things considered. Now, there is also the understanding that Gale itself, uh, as we think about the Nexus and Highlands, uh, is a problem. I am on the record in multiple cases, and I will continue to die on this hill, is that green does need to have a good playable Nexus, and the level 2 part of Highlands is actually super interesting in a very well-designed space that would be absolutely crushing if green lost it and i would go as so far to say it would be worse for the game if they lost it that said hurricane highlands absolutely needs to eat narada green as a color will always be the i'm gonna end the game with 60 cores and there's nothing you can do about it but they shouldn't have the relative ease that they currently do with highlands especially stacking in multiples to just go all right turn five i have 60 cores now i can do whatever so me personally i would love to see and I don't know which of the two is better because I have not played Gale that much to have a qualified opinion on it, but it very much needs to be once per turn. And it's either going to be exhaust, you play a Gale guy, you get one core, or exhaust, you get the Gale amount for whatever it is. So if you still 
get to go into the 10 drop, yes, you still get to ramp, you know, three cores, but you had a much harder time to ramp up to that point other than the high rolls that we've seen. That's one side of the issue. And then the other part is, of course, the new 10 drop. So Battle Spirits as a game is meant to be played at what that 10 drop is. That said, the rest of the colors need to catch up, but I'm quite confident that we're going to see this in set four because we are finally going to get double symbol spirits, which just by nature of that is going to be a power creep in itself. So I'm excited that we have um, the heavenly emperor, Frank Huang here, uh, like getting us that first real introduction of saying like, hey, no, this is a key spirit. This is what it's going to be doing. And it feels a lot like how Nova felt initially in set one, where it's like you slam that key spirit, you heal up to five, you board wipe your opponent. Like that's battle spirits at the end of the day. I am fully expecting more key spirits like this. But again, we need to want to address the Hurricane uh, Highland side of it. And we do need to see the other colors getting like their equal boss monsters. Because let's face it, we got Feng Huang in one set and then we got Scotty. And it's like... Mm. This isn't. This doesn't yeah. line up how we how it should just yet. So yeah. fingers. You know, my 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 biggest issue with Highlands is what you just said. Actually, like it really needs to eat an errata because what you can do is very unfair by gaining. Like with one Highlands, you can very easily, and I see it all the time, is you you gain seven cores in one turn just by playing, you know, five drop Tokiwa, and then you for like basically the way that the turn sequencing goes is you can start to start the turn with just like an emerald sanctuary plus one other green card basically right so maybe you played the the five drop plant mommy to ramp like two cores okay so you start your turn you pay two to play highlands so you already can't can't interact with it and then you pay two to play tokiwa put three cores on it ramp two then you pay three, just sack off your Tohiwa. Who cares? Play uh, Jaeger, gain two. And then by then you have four permanents to play. You, you can play the 10 drop for six because you've already ramped so many this turn. Then you ramp three more. Like it's no effort whatsoever and you just get plus seven cores. If you have a second Highlands, maybe had a faster start with ramp and have a second Highlands, you know, you gain 14 cores in one turn at least. And the game is immediately over. So I'm all about green having a very powerful nexus. Um, I agree. I think it's needed. But it doesn't have to be like an 11 out of 10 brokenness. You know, they have to mm-hmm. do something to it. Yeah. And and for what it's worth, like I, I, I like Alex's take, which is like he he's okay with the way the 10 drop works. Because if you're paying 10 for a spirit, it should end the game, right? Like at, at yeah. that kind of cost. They should be game enders. It's just I am fine with that card. What I want green to be is just a very good ramp deck that has mm-hmm. a very good finisher. That's yeah. perfectly fine with me. Yeah. The the issues definitely arise when my finisher line ends up with me going from nothing on board to five bodies on board, one of which is at max level of six total cores, <laughs> which is not yeah. nothing, and still being able to OTK all within that establishment. So yeah, and like, it just makes like the the dream bomb answer so much worse, right? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just dream bomb it. It's like, okay, well, I'll just gain three to six more cores next turn, like mm-hmm. whatever. The other side of it, we too, we uh, I want to make sure it's not missed, right? We also have to look at this from a engine package and what it means on future set design, right? Because you get to a point where it's like 
You play four Hurricane Highlands. You play four Toki. You play three of Fang just because it's an insane ender. And now you have Beldegore loops. And like that's all you need. And then eventually you get to a point where I, I am ramping all these cores in like my 12-card engine. And then every other deck warps himself. And we haven't seen it yet. And there's not to say that we won't eventually get there. But in set four or set five, now every deck is starting their list with, hey, here's my 12 Gale cards so I can ramp a bunch of cores to then get to X, Y, or Z. So I think it's definitely a limiting uh, from a design space in that regard, too, that needs to be watched, where if you put it to just one core a turn, it's much more fair. And by the time we get to set four and set five, we are going to see more of these like linear strategies come online with getting your own color reductions on board versus just ramping X amount of cores and doing you know, elephants, fanglongs, whatever your top end wants to look like at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, spoiler, we'll see going into um, when we talk about Pasadena, but that's exactly kind of where I took it and where uh, Rex took it um, in terms of like, hey, it's a small package. We can include it and play other stuff. So um, and that's kind of where the big spooky is. But, you know, we're going to keep an eye on it. I do think that the more people optimize and realize that like, hey, all rain is a good card, or all Ron or whatever you want to call her is a good card, right? Like people are like, oh no, on summons, but it's like, oh no, she makes it so much harder to attack while you like slowly get your gale stuff online, right? Like it's, it is, I think it just takes a little bit of optimization before the dick gets really spooky. And like you said, the engine is so small that it's actually kind of splashable almost anywhere. So that's something to consider, of course, um, but it's kind of roundabout. I mean, yellow top dog in the room and you know like it's genbu is incredible uh lots of players who were disregarding yellow when we were talking about it in the week in between the pro tour and grand open didn't realize like andy shout outs to you who now played yellow and topped twice with it after we made him read the second effect um you know makes your stuff unblockable um can restand your stuff and kind of go for like an otk style turn if your opponent's not ready for it too um an incredibly powerful card um and it makes yellow like a lot of games previously, like let's say if you're playing against white, ended up in this kind of like derm race. The problem here is that this is kind of derm race on crack because you're gaining life every time you hit your opponent. So it, it, it's like just this double up, triple up kind of system where like you also can't counter aggro this deck because they can counter, they, they can aggro you back and then gain life while they're doing it. So it's so much harder to do. So oddly enough, yellow is incredibly well positioned. And I guess the entire time, all they were really missing was that boss monster to bring it all together because before you could just wall out yellow, kill their nexus block everything they have they're never getting blessed it doesn't really matter eventually they could be at eight life doesn't care like i'm gonna blow them out genbu kind of gives that uh that longevity to that deck that kind of like closing out potential that's incredibly powerful so uh, incredibly well done you know congratulations to daniel uh and the million other people who took yellow um but you know with yellow strong representation cosmic you must have played this for the netherlands grand open right <laughs> like you're you're so well positioned to play yellow for this tournament Man, well, so as people <laughs> might know by now, uh, I am actually a blue main because I love mill. I love the more like cost level or cost based destruction that they get. So I was super excited to play blue and we worked on a list that I was pretty happy with. And funny enough, as I went back, it wasn't that far off from the first version of the list. Um, I feature on my channel for the versus video, but um, I was just happy to play blue and we got one of our boys in the top 16 with it. So it might be the only top 16 blue gets uh, unless we see something happen in Liverpool or Atlanta, but I can at least say it got on the books uh, in our hearts. And, uh, you know, it does feel a lot like set two green at the end of the day where it's like there's a good core here. And I, I will say I think that the blue core that we got in set three is way better than the green core we got in set two. Mm. But it's still not there because set three really feels like 
Um, especially for green and yellow, it feels like they're finally playing battle spirits. Like Genbu is very much like the key yellow card that we'd expect. Uh, Feng Huang is definitely like the key green spirit that we would expect. Um, and blue has Coliseum Golem in the same set. We got Floodstream, and it's like, all right, well, here we are, I guess. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, I'm really holding out for set four blue X rares because uh, right now, like Allegro is the best X rare. Like he should have got a, uh, an alt art or something, but. Man, I keep playing him in different shells, and Allegro just continues to perform for me uh, so, so crazy well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, he's my favorite blue card, like, not even close. Every, every time I play him, I'm like, this card's so busted. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, there There needs to be a home for him. And I, I, you know, like you, I'm very excited for set four because, like, I just want to jam this card in every single deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for, for what's worth, uh, Cause myself and Rex ended up landing on blue for uh, the grand open, and Rex actually landed on the top sixteen finish. Um, yeah, if, the... if if I'm not mistaken, Rex and Cause played last round, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's uh, unfortunate. Yeah. I I uh, won, but uh, enter. Uh, what what could I? I guess this is like the after dark part, right? So I can say whatever I want. But um, long story short, Rex had better breakers, so I scooped him. So it came yeah. down to a discussion of like which one of us wants to get in top 16 has a better chance to get into top eight. And long story short, it didn't matter, but he had the better breakers in that round by a couple of percent. So I was like, dude, I don't care. Like it's, yeah, you right. get in top eight, like we'll work it out. And it's funny. Cause like a lot of people don't, I actually got a lot of shit for saying like, Hey, we got somebody in top 16. And then like my official record is three and three because people don't understand scooping to your teammate who has a better chance at top eight. So that was a fun little bit of a back and forth with a couple people. But um, again, we've luckily, you know, luckily in that sense, got paired up in the last round. So it was an easy last round decision. But uh, yeah, the list was the list was super fun. I, I again, want to say that with with it being more of a known thing and with Floodstream being popular, it's going to hurt to try to play it. But Blue really needs and as funny as this is to say, but Blue needs a better Nexus in set four. Uh, just something to bring on the the card advantage side of it. And I know that blue lives and dies by filtering. That's like their key identity. But the bloody TP promo, that's like, if you mill a magic card, draw one, discard one. Like, come on. That should have been at least draw two, discard one. Like, how mm. bad do they have to hurt us with this TP? So, or just draw a card. I mean, you have to jump through so many hurdles to even... You know, yeah, that's that's the only thing with the deck that and I felt playing it out because it's fun deck. I think it's a I think it's a good enough deck the way I describe it. People are like, oh, why'd you guys play blue? It's just like because it was good enough, right? Like it was good enough it's for us to fine. be. I mean, yeah, it's a it, solid tier two deck, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to win some, it's going to lose some. Yeah, and in the and in the first tournament that it's legal in, you have the benefit that a lot of people are reading your cards, don't know what you're doing, yeah. don't know what they're playing around, then you can get there, right? So, which clearly we we did enough. So I think I think to that end it's fine, but it's the entire tournament while I was playing blue. I was like, I just want more cards in my hand, man. Like like I'm yeah. on turn three here and I have two cards, and I know I'm never getting more. And this is just like heartbreaking. So that that that's definitely what blue needs is some kind of advantage engine. Don't get me wrong, strong draw for one is incredibly powerful. Um, but having to pitch like you know three card two cards in your four card hand is really really tough <laughs> yeah so so my takeaway from this grand open before we move on to pasadena which we'll see the results is that i was thrilled that there were so many yellow decks mm. like just ecstatic like we are red players so <laughs> when, when you go. see this out. many yellow decks it's like <laughs> all right boys we're going to win this next grand open and lo and behold 
we won the next grand open. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, taking these results and moving on to Pasadena, the Pasadena grand open kind of opened up, uh, not as yellow heavy as I expected. I was honestly still expecting like a 40% uh, representation for yellow it was still very much there i think if we did a roundup it might actually be the most represented um and then you got like red and green kind of getting in there um uh myself uh i did attend the tournament which was a, a good time there i actually ended up taking red green nova and this is kind of where that conversation kind of loops back to of the gale engine just being so incredibly good that you can kind of slam it at anything and the idea with that when i was talking to rex about it, i was like okay yellow just won the pro tour so you need to play red in some fashion if you're not trying to play yellow itself because red absolutely dominates on yellow. And I still stand by that. My yellow matchups were incredibly easy then tournament. Um, but everyone's taking red because they know yellow. And it's a, oh, well, yellow did good. I guess I'll take red. It's kind of a very easy conclusion to come to. So I think the, the level beyond that was like, okay, what kind of deck can we take that gives us good game between the two? And it's like, well, red hate, hates facing the Fangwong stuff. Like once Fangwong hits the board, there's very little red can do against you outside of just like hopefully being able to get there through chip damage. And maybe they're able to manage one through. Um, and then... Uh, the yellow decks, we have the red stuff and the destruction stuff to be able to kind of like stunt their early game. And then we just Nova on top. And once Nova's on board, yellow can't do anything. And that's kind of where we landed. Um, the deck can be a little, you know, and the, the, I think the one benefit at the very least of like the to help the brokenness of those kind of strategies is that sometimes you're just stuck playing two halves of the wrong deck. So like sometimes you see your green cards when you really need your red cards or sometimes they're kind of not synergizing. I have Highlands and then the rest of my hand is all red or whatever. So I, I think there's that little bit of clunk that you you pay for the tech. Um, but nevertheless, that did, in my opinion, pretty well. I did end up to get Rex into the top eight. So congratulations to Rex there for actually getting our deck on the map. Um, but otherwise, I mean, the rest of the top cut, very much what we look like. Um, we're seeing a lot of yellow. Uh, we're seeing red. So the Dragonoid mid-range, like it's on Eggman's channel, but really it's like a King Dragno Apollo red mid-range deck is kind of really where that lands. Um, and then uh, you got Gale and then you got a smattering of like purple and like yellow um alternatives there with uh, ryan matas finally getting that grand open win after topping every other damn event <laughs> yeah no he he was overdue and well deserved i know that the deck that he played is a deck that uh you know like ryan and alex and i mm -hmm. have been working on for like a month and it's uh you know after we saw the results from the uh, utrecht grand open we were like okay guys this is the deck so you know we were sending lists back and forth for like the week in in between grand opens uh they all kind of featured the same cards uh i don't think my version was playing dilfoza um but the shell you know like you see it's basically just camille whip uh with the eagle uh dino man you know, Apollo, Dragon King. I mean, all those cards are just exceptional versus yellow. Mm -hmm. And when you combine that with Ritual Fire, Thorn Prison, of course, Burning Force, like you are never losing to yellow. You're beating any kind of purple deck. You're crushing yellow. The only tough matchup, like you said, is the Gale deck. And I think that's where their sideboard came in. So Matos, Matt Belcher, Daniel and Alex, I think all play this exact same 60 mm. and uh, Daniel and Matt, I think got top 16 and Matos of course won. Uh, but their sideboard is just like for dream bomb derm. So what you need to do 
is once they play their 10 drop, you're like, okay, well, we have to try to dream bomb it and then kill them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know how many Gale decks that Motos played against, uh, but, you know, that's that's the game plan. So hopefully you can dodge it, but if not, you do have some plan to get to somewhere around 50-50. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like Derm um, just because it myself playing red, having tested um, for Netherlands, um, I was like, the matchup feels fine up until they get Feng Hong. And then I'm kind of like, or unless they get like infinite Beldegore loops, like the hard part really is just punching in that last damage or that last two damage. Um, so yeah. the sideboard makes sense, right? Like these are like, oh, shit, don't die. Right. Like suppression to just like chump block the Feng Hong in case you like for whatever reason, your stuff's all exhausted. Um, dream bomb the Fang Wong, and then like, okay, let's start closing out the game because we're never getting through their blockers anyways. So it's it's yeah. it's, it's clunky in the sense that like, unfortunately, it's expensive for the red deck. But by the time you're in that game, your board actually doesn't matter. It's just about actually just closing out the game. Yeah, so. and there's like a lot of times where the yellow player won't realize that Eagle can block their entire mm-hmm. board because it's vanilla, right? It's a seven k vanilla, so it could block you know, everything that they can throw at you outside of a fully leveled up Gimbu, but you can't make anything unblockable. So, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Yep. Yep. And it was actually kind of the core of where we started with the mine and Rex's list was like, okay, well they can't get through dino man Eagle. And then let's just kind of build a whole deck around it. And that's kind of where we landed. We ended up on actually the reason we ended up on, so we tested drink King Dragno like a lot in between uh, the pro tour and the grand open um the reason we didn't land on it though was because we realized that if they ever were in a position to core up their genbu or their uh flagellum um then we could actually never kill it now turns out in practice they're never really getting to that point because they never have nexuses and you're able to kill them before that ever matters but nevertheless was one of my concerns which is why we kind of pivoted over to the nova stuff but i mean i love king dragon i love that he's seeing representation again he has this really cool usage where because you're turn player if you do end up killing something with the soul core and like it's like a beldegore target or whatever you can force them to beldegore first and then kill the beldegore anyway so you can still kind of punch through um so i just love yeah. the extra utility there he can actually fight into a fang because he on swing is a 15k if you attach like a, a volcanic canyon on that he's a 16k now he's bigger so you don't have to worry about it um, the one thing I'll say about the, and I love the Camellia web. We, I, there were so many things that I, myself, Anthony tried with Camellia. We tried like whirlpool control. So it's like you swing in with him and then you whirlpool him on attack. And then he's a 20 K and they literally yeah, can't get I, through. I love this card. And it, <laughs> like, as long as people are like not playing three, four flood streams, main deck, like this guy is just going to wreak havoc on, on the game. Cause mm. you know, once like 5k is big there's a lot of things that's under five like yellow and purple they hate seeing this guy mm-hmm. yeah so like I, I, like purple can't do anything once he's in play if if you can't belt you're not doing damage yeah, yeah if they can't if they don't have the spot removal for them they're actually just not attacking into you so yeah. um the only thing that i will say this card's a trap the best so like the best feature of this card is that it is a reduction. Nine times out of ten, you are not drawing from this card. I think I heard Mata say he drew one time from this card through the entire tournament. See, so let me introduce you to the fourth place list, because that's what I was gonna talk about next. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> so Brad's like, yeah. So my list, instead of the Dilfosas, had the uh dragon, the uh, mm-hmm. Trident Dragon with the the Ruby Sanctuaries because as you can see from Brad's feature matches, if you go back and watch, 
he did a very good job of utilizing uh, the dragon's level two effect to get the cores back and then use those to cast like a burning force or an ice shield or something like that. Or, you know, um, so. Hey, remember who talked about this in a video and did a whole spotlight on it? How <laughs> Trident Dragon was good for these exact plays, and everyone gave him a lot of shit for it. Oh yeah, no, continue how good it was though, John. Please, I love no, this. I, mean, I I love this card. I don't know what what I said about it when we reviewed it, but after playing with it several games, uh, I I like it more for its like rebuy effect than its actual like with the mm -hmm. spirit attack effect. Um, just because getting those cores back. It makes your ice shield math so much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think I think the refresh is nice. The board wipe is like fine. There are it, my my thing is that there are games where that completely takes over. My caveat being that usually if that when attacks ability takes over, it, most of the red boss monsters between like uh, King Dragno, Gagano, whatever, probably are taking over anyways because it just means you're behind on board presence and kind of rebuilding that is very very tough. Um, but the refresh ability is good because it lets you burning force because there are a lot of situations where I'm like, shit, I want a burning force. But if I do that, that means I'm not like distributing my math, my, like my course correctly for the upcoming turn or whatever. So I do think that like the, the best parts about the sanctuary, are definitely like the synergies between that and introduction and not the fact that you're ever really going to draw from it. And then if you do, I think you just accept that as a plus, but from the get go, we've always said the best part about these things are the fact that they're red reductions. So. Yeah. You know, red is always happy to have, have any reduction. And the fact that you just get one for one core mm -hmm. is a pretty big deal. You know, it makes Eagle that that much better. It makes Dragno King and Trident Dragon that much easier to cast. It makes Andromeda easier to cast. Like it just, you know, it just really accelerates uh, the deck. One thing I will say about Brad's deck is that it is all gas no breaks. Oh, there's like, nothing here. Yeah, there's nothing here. Zero defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like. And, uh... You know, I I think if like maybe he didn't play charge draw and instead maybe played some like ritual fires or thorn prisons, uh, maybe the deck's better. I don't know, but you know, it's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we were talking on the side like um, uh, myself, Matas, Alex, while we were watching the match because we were between that and watching the feature match of like Andy getting pulverized, um, and. Uh, and something we had uh, noticed when we were talking about like Matas's board positions every time was like Matas can just go in because there's like no defense on his side, right? Like what this works really well if your opponent doesn't know you're not on any defense because Lord knows the amount of times I've respected my opponent's defense and maybe they were bluffing or they didn't have it, which is like fine, yeah. right? Like it's better. I'd rather play a little bit more held back and not just get like completely stomped by some removal or whatever, or whatever interaction. But like when you know your opponent has zero interaction <laughs> yeah. the amount of greediness you can play in like a top cut position is just a whole well, different level when you see ant-man in particular like you're always going to play around thorn prison when you can every time right? yeah, yeah so you know if you have a chance to play around it you're going to so mm. you know I, I assume he just got a lot of people like that and then once you get into the top eight you know like you said, and you see these lists, you're like, oh, okay, well, you're not playing for prison. So now I can just go in all the time and you either have ice show or you're dead. Mm -hmm. Yep. But yep. The one part I really wanted to highlight in this list in particular is we think about red mid range, right? So going back to it, yellow one, the pro tour did the event, everyone's going to be playing red. 
What we've actually start to see, and is kind of one of the downsides of having all these strictly back-to-back-to-back grand opens, is people don't have as much time to test as we normally would, especially as we did in Season 2. So if you look at Ryan Montes' list and also Brad's list kind of side-by-side, there is a lot of overlap, but the one thing you'll notice that really starts to like peel back the layers of red mid-range is that one at its core is really meant to be more of like a Scorch Battlefield deck, and I think Dragno King really lends himself well in that side of it, where the other one is meant to be just like the Apollo uh, and Trident Dragon with Ruby Sanctuary. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these two lists kind of pull apart with one another because you just can't run Scorch Battlefield traditionally in the Apollo Dino deck because it just messes up your math. And that's why Brad went for like the four Ruby Sanctuaries and the four Volcanic Canyon. So I'm really curious to see once players have more time, right? We think about the yellow matchup. Both of these obviously do very well into the meta or into, sorry, into the yellow deck specifically. But how do each one of these now attack the meta and which one is going to overall be the better pick? And of course, there's probably still going to be some overlap. Andromeda is really important, but I think your next Nexus choices are going to matter a lot more in how you build these strategies going forward. So, so to complicate that matter even more, this is a really good segue, is we have the Brisbane winner deck which is another alex deck actually uh the winner of the event asked daniel and alex for a deck and alex is like here here's the scorch battlefield deck that i've been testing and i'm sure he made some changes and he won the event with it so now you have the like dragon king decks and then you also have the scorch battlefield to the ground decks that still aren't going anywhere Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I, I think I think this gap that we'll have not Nick because we got Liverpool stills, but like between Liverpool and Atlanta is going to be very refreshing for this meta in terms of people actually being able to sit down like I was never like the amount I had to crank in like two days to even land on the list I was happy with, like the amount of BSSDB I was looking at was not healthy. <laughs> like So um, I, I think it'll I, I know you've talked about this a lot because is the fact that now the gap will actually allow people to really kind of sit down understand the format and kind of see kind of where like the chinks and in the armor are um i think my biggest takeaway is that like apollo's gas dude this card is a rock star um it's the only thing that makes me sad is like man the list that run like apollo would love scorched if yep. the plus a bit like if the bp adding ability was optional like i think you can get away with one on board because most of the things you want to hit actually hit just about 6k you know, level two Genbus and stuff like that. Like they're at 6K, which is like just about where you want to be, um, but you can't run in mil- multiples or whatever. So I, I think it's kind of interesting now that like we're at a point where we have enough cards in color pools that we need to make some concessions in deck building, right? And like, that's kind of gets interesting where I get to make those decisions. I get to see like the pros and cons of running like Apollo versus running something else. Whereas like, you know, here we, uh, we see the one Scorch Battlefield, right? Like maybe that's kind of where that deck needs to land. So I, I'm very excited to kind of see kind of how we evolve in the deck building spectrum as we go into the second half of the year. It's the same card pool, but I think we now have enough depth almost everywhere besides the two new colors that we got. But, you know, we'll see how those can roll in uh, to kind of make some interesting decisions going uh, into the second half of the year. So or the second yeah, half of the like, season. That's my big thing is like set three finally feels like we have enough cards for the original four colors to really have multiple things shine through for them it's just going to come down to now player preference and what you think the right meta call uh, is ultimately going to be because now battle spirits is getting to be battle spirits and kind of very in the same vein of pokemon and flesh and blood that 
yes, there is going to be a, I have to plan for the meta and I have to take a guess at what I think is going to be the decks that I want to target. And sometimes you're just going to make a wrong meta call and, and that is what it is. But when these events are this back to back, I think red was like the safest call that you could have possibly made all year long. Um, and it clearly worked out very well. But uh, for Atlanta, it's going to be an open field again because there's going to be what, like a three week gap or something. However, mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah, three yeah, weeks, so here's my prediction and we'll see how close i am here in a month we can talk about it so i predict that uh gale will dominate and easily win this next european grand open what probably next week is that one of this yeah Uh, so all these gale players are seeing all these red decks and they're like they're doing the same things that all the red players were doing when they saw all the (laughs) yellow decks so they're like oh man all these red decks, hmm, let's play Gale. So, and then what's going to happen is people are going to be like, see, I told you, Gale's broken. And then we'll come around to Atlanta and people play like purple to try to beat Gale. And then maybe people play red again. I don't know. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's healthy. Maybe that's what an evolving metagame is. I don't know. But, uh, you know, that's, mark my words, that's going to happen. Yeah, kind of, kind of gives uh, similar veins of like the set one meta where we went from launch to like the first two grand opens and then kind of how like things shifted and, and then hot from there. Um, And if anything, kind of keeps me excited for like when green and blue have a depth of card pool where it really feels like every color can kind of throw in there and kind of throw in their two cents. So um, I love this. I mean, I, I love preparing for I think I think the benefit now is that at least we have like somewhere to kind of gauge how we want to tackle the meta, whereas going into the first grand open, it's completely blind and just like hopefully you figure out something. And then just so happens that everyone kind of figured out the same thing, which anecdote, uh, our team also figured out yellow was nuts and we were actually in between blue and yellow. We were just very much, we just kind of decided on yellow, blue because we wanted to be the guys who take the new color and we thought mill was a ton of fun. Um, but if it weren't for the blue deck, it, we were also going to be on yellow. So um I, I think i'm looking forward to kind of seeing where people land within the next three weeks and yeah i mean you know at the very least we understand what things look like and kind of how we can take things further beyond that afterwards so um all righty then uh, with that said we'll go ahead and kick off our new segment today so we actually have a new game segment that i want to give a go at and this is something that we actually landed on uh, when i was talking with people over at the pro tour was the fact that we had noticed that like people really aren't great with the names of cards in our game. And that's because they're way too long and way too bothersome. And almost everyone I know just goes by card art plus some whatever. Axe Spider, did you know that there was like a D08 whatever before Axe Spider? I sure as heck completely forgot. So with that said, I'm going to be showing our apostles a card art. And then it is their job to try and figure out what the entirety of that card's name is. <laughs> um, I will give both players an opportunity to guess or write. Uh, how do you guys want about it? Does it make sense to write it out since you might be guessing at the same time or helping out? You know what? I'll roll a dice and then whoever gets it right is able to go first. I think that's kind of a great equal way to go about it. Uh, first player gets the first shot. Second player gets a bit of a hint based on what the first player says. But that's it. Are yep. you guys on board with the game? All right. Yep. We will do our best. So uh, odds, so on odds, CODs goes first. On evens, I get to guess first. All right, sounds good. I have a dice right here, and we're going to roll, and I landed on a one. Sure. So, so that gives Good. our board Cosmic here the first go. <laughs> All right, then Cosmic, please, what is the name of this card? 
Oh my god. <laughs> god. <laughs> this is now this is an insult that I'm not gonna get it. But it's uh God man. Uh Calamity Beast uh Pegasus is some some along those lines. I don't I don't that's definitely not right, but I definitely forget now. So you're going with Calamity Beast Pegasus? Yeah. All right, that is incorrect. So, John. So that's very close. I do believe it is Calamity Beast Pegasoros. So close. You're also <laughs> no. wrong. The name of this card is Calamity Beast Chaos Pegasoros. Oh, my God. Chaos. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, and that is the big thing with Battle Spirits names. Just when you think you know the name, there's an additional one in there. So, so funny <laughs> enough, I knew that it was Pegasoros. I uh, didn't know Calamity oh. Beast. So after it cost like, Calamity Beast, I'm like, all right, thank you. Yeah, I, know I, that part only, I, I only knew Pegasoros. That's all I knew. As soon as I said Pegasus, I'm like, wait, no. But I yeah. didn't remember that it was Soros instead. Um, yeah. But I first off, I knew it was something else. I didn't know what that something else was. Uh, I did know it was Pegasaurus. I would have never guessed Chaos. I would have never guessed for whatever yeah. reason this card, this unicorn with wings and whatever has like Chaos in its name. <laughs> this has never been in any of my decks. So, <laughs> like I, I would have never gotten it anyway. It's been played on me one time ever and that was in Palm Springs. Mm. So. Yeah, so that is our card for this week. Uh, the flavor text game will not go anywhere. I think we'll just interchange the two games kind of as we see fit to kind of keep things fresh and exciting. I think it's a it's a fun way because even I was sitting there when we had uh, talked about it, when I've talked about it for players, I'm like, wow, I really don't know card names. I just know their art and that's all it is. <laughs> and like whatever either real name or made up name myself and people from the community come up with. So uh, Richard is still the best star dragon. <laughs> um, with that said, uh, we're kind of kind of close off, you know, looking ahead. So we had, uh, you know, talked about kind of like Atlanta, PT, and Worlds. Um, and, and the second half of this format has a lot of deep significance uh, for the fact that it is the same format we're going to play at Worlds. Um, you know, so caveat, maybe ban list, whatever, who knows. However, Bandai decides to keep things fresh. Who knows about that? But as far as we know, Atlanta is the second week of December. The third week of December is the Pro Tour. And then exactly, uh, um, which is the week before Christmas. Bandai, please don't do that again. Um, and then going into January, end of January is Worlds, which is Bandai Fest, all the Nats, everything, but as well, BSS Worlds. Um, and it's all going to be the same format, right? And I think, I think there is, you know, Gale problem aside, I think there is a lot of room for something to be able to kind of take it there. Um, and I guess I just kind of toss it off to you guys and see, like, how do you guys feel like, you know, the meta is going to MN Hog going? I know, John, you had, you know, talked about how people now are going to feed on red a little bit, try to see if they can get, get Gale in there and then see how that kind of pivots into Atlanta. But how do you guys feel about going into the second half of uh, wave three and kind of how that leads into worlds? Yeah, I mean, Cos might have more to say than me, but my my thoughts are pretty simple i mean i think it's we're pretty healthy right now uh things seem to be evolving we'll see what it's like in the next uh, grand open here uh in just a couple days um so it's it's fine right now i'm i'm excited about it uh i'm still 99 playing red in any event but um, I'm, I'm happy with where things are mm. 
Yeah, I'll just add on that set three has been a lot of fun. It's really nice to go back and kind of revisit some cards that didn't get to see a lot of love and even set one or set two that are now coming back and having some additional uh, shells worth of support. So, um, you know, by the time we get to Worlds, I think we will be kind of a little bit tired of the format unless there is a ban list or something, just because a lot of us will be naturally testing or doing content and, you know, playing as much as we can. But this does give me a lot of hope for set four for how good, even like even green now, I think it is in a fine spot. So thinking that, how good set three is for five of the six colors, I will say. And then set four is right around the corner where we finally have that first set that's, you know, equal support across the board. I am just so excited and, and not to like skip over set three. Again, I really want to stress set three is super good and I really have been loving it so far, but man set. I have so much more hope for set four now for how good set three has been that I just can't wait. till we get to that deeper card pool part and we really get to see like, Purple as it's doing now, right? We have, thanks to the uh, costume artist, which is still pretty good in the mid-range shells because you get to draw a card, trigger Beldegore and all that stuff. But, you know, we have Curse Aggro, thanks to Snakes now getting a lot of support, which is a very scary deck, by the way. Mm -hmm. They got top 16 in one of the events, and I wouldn't be surprised if that comes back in some shape or form. We just have purple mid-range good stuff. And then, of course, maybe not as popular with Gale running around, but Core Control is still just a good archetype. At the end of the day, Bishop and Curse Dragon kills people dead sometimes that's just how it is so we see in purple you have three very distinct styles that you can play that all still feel like purple and the other colors are slowly gravitating towards that um, as well so again with red being scorch battlefield the ruby deck and then nova at the top end so again really excited just to see how things go from here and really even 10 times more excited for set four because i think it's how good set three is starting bodes very very well for set four Mm -hmm. yeah i uh i have said this a couple of times on the discord now and across uh i haven't had as much fun testing for tournaments as i have with set three i mean granted a lot of that was also fed into the fact that like i spent like two week weeks on the road and kind of really got to like hang out with the boys and do it um but really the set three format every time i look at bssdb i'm reading new cards and kind of fetching it in which you know, hopefully that means by set four, no more vanillas, because this is as good as it feels, you know, with like 20% of the card pool not even being valid, you know, things to look at. Um, I think having that deeper, richer card pool is going to look even better. But I've had a ton of fun with set three. I've loved looking at And that's like before we even yeah. start looking at like, like Mermaid is arguably like my favorite blue card, right? And it's just about finding kind of the perfect shell that works with her and stuff like that. So uh, I've been loving the shell. So 100% looking forward to kind of what uh the second half will lend itself in terms of discoveries and kind of what people mess with and like hey if gale is the perfect engine then maybe we end up with like a pro tour format where everyone's taking a gale plus something deck right uh, i'm already looking at green blue i'm looking at green yellow like i'm looking at it all baby see what gale can jam into um, yeah that's funny green blue my... is something that i was uh kind of tinkering with just the other day just because mm -hmm. you know, like you said like, like i want to put freaking allegro and everything i want to so, put allegro and everything so, so i'm like let's just play like gordon and allegro <laughs> and, and like a gale shell and see what happens i oh, haven't no. tested it yet but oh like, no Titus yeah, found I, Titus found the login to my bssdb profile <laughs> <laughs> i'll take it one step further because i was doing gale but having the coliseum golem at the top end because i just i love that dude i mean uh, why yeah. not so yeah. bad man yeah, because in my head, I'm like, you know what? Maybe they do have Floodstream, and maybe it doesn't matter, right? Like, maybe they just kill my token and I make another one next turn. You know, may, I, I, I've been looking yeah. at it all. So it's uh, it's been a ton of fun. And I think, uh, you know what? Shout outs to the, what do they call themselves? The Tix Boys or whatever. Uh, they played like the a green. Boys. Yeah, there you go. They played their multiple cores Mantagol list, which looks like a pile. 
Um, I still refuse to respect it, but they did incredibly well with it. This is their second like back-to-back grand opens that they play at, and they also perform at. So congratulations to them uh, for taking something else that had what four smog in the main Hell deck. Hell yeah! Hey man, you know what? The, we see K piles, we see whatever, we see Gale decks, all these decks playing smog. I hold on to my review that I did of the card eons ago, where I said that thing's an insult to dragons. But you know what? If you see some play, good for him. <laughs> Our boy finally kind of in his time to shine, even if it's like one <laughs> event. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, God. So, uh, with that said, guys, that was the Church of Pentan podcast. It's incredibly fun to be uh, back uh, and looking forward to many more discussions as we kind of lead our way through to Liverpool next weekend and then uh, get ourselves ready for the Atlanta Pro Tour World Gauntlet ahead of us. So, with that said, until next time, may the cores be our saviors. Mm-hmm.